uh, a few choruses as we worship the Lord. Amen.
your find in this life is found in our Lord Jesus. We thank you, dear Father, for sending your Son and him being the Savior of the world, shedding his blood and offering us salvation. We thank you tonight that he died for us, and not only did he die, but he resurrected. But his death brought healing and deliverance from sin and spiritual maladies, O oh God. We thank you, Father. Human words are never sufficient to praise and to give you thanks for such a wonderful salvation that you have brought to us. We appreciate you, Father, tonight, and we ask as we uh, go through the service tonight that you'll be with us. Help us, O oh God. Touch everyone following this, this uh, message online. Touch their hearts. Bond us together, we pray, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask it. Amen and amen. 
it is um, we're getting adjusted and I can say well before you know it the streaming thing would be over I can't say that really I don't know how long we will have to be restricted to certain uh, medical protocols because of the pandemic I was trying to get some statistics tonight and maybe tomorrow I'll share that with you but we're talking about millions of people around the world that's a uh, that's affected by COVID-19 and we're talking we're talking about our neighboring country the United States being one on the top of the list uh, with more infections than any other country in the world America then I think it's Brazil and then I think it's um, India and then I think Russia and other countries fall under that and it is it is strange how uh, it is strange I say strange in the sense that you would think a godly nation a religiously respected nation would be the least affected but it seems in uh, from my point from I'm looking at scripture and from scriptural point of view that God judges his people and that is why Peter in his epistle says and judgment must begin at the house of God and if it first begin with us <clears throat> where shall the sinner and the ungodly individual appear and so as a pastor and as a minister for so many years <clears throat> you wish you had tangible answers uh, for the questions you know the Bible is full of answers but we can apply some to our lives and we can uh, speculate on others and hope that we are making the right conclusion what I know positively is that sin brings judgment and judgment is not executed against the righteous it's executed against people that are in transgressions a uh, transgression of God's law tonight I'm sitting here and I'm not sure what I should talk to you about I thought Wednesday night was a tremendous subject and I'll probably touch back Wednesday night connect back with some of the thoughts uh, we touched on on Wednesday someone said to me that Wednesday night was the tip not of the iceberg but the tip of many icebergs and that is a correct description because what the Lord gave us on Wednesday night was a little bit and little bits bits and pieces of different things that we could elaborate on the song we were singing tonight uh, that um, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strengths uh, was reference was made to this scripture on the on Wednesday night because God would give the woman uh, the church uh, in the midst of her persecution and in the midst of the devil uh, that dragon trying to destroy her he'll give her two wings of an eagle now not literally revelation is a book of symbols and when we try to uh, see how best we can relate scripture to that it, it tells us that um, uh, they that wait upon the Lord a praying people will get wings 
has spiritual wings to escape the, the snares of the devil and the plot and cunning devices of the devil. We'll talk more about that message as uh, we go through this weekend, especially on tomorrow. But tonight, I, while I was sitting here and we were singing, I felt I need to bring back your attention to Matthew 24. And then we'll probably jump, jump back into Chronicles. But Matthew 24, and we are still dealing with a pandemic. We are still dealing with a virus. We are still dealing with the necessary caution that we need to take in order to protect ourselves when we walk out in the community. I believe God's children would be protected if they live right. I say there is a scripture in Psalms that tells us, blessed is the man, and the word blessed. Uh, the terminology blessing has been misunderstood over the years. Blessings, as we see the terminology in the Old Testament, was very tangible blessing. God blessed people with uh, prosperity, natural prosperity, with uh, possessions and things like that in the Old Testament. But as we move towards the New Testament, blessing seems to take a different, uh, 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 be seen from a different point of view. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He made a lot of statement about blessing. I hold my finger in Matthew 24 and just back up here to Matthew. Uh, tonight we'll uh, just uh, browse through some of these areas. In Matthew, the uh, fifth chapter, Jesus made some statements on blessing. And blessing could be misunderstood. You turn on your television and somebody will tell you God wants you healthy and wealthy because that's what God says in the scripture. Well, they try to quote an Old Testament scripture, and when you try to tell them, well, that's the Old Testament, they said, well, the Lord, uh, John wrote to Gaius, and he said, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health as your soul prospereth. And so preachers run with that, and they try to make uh, issues out of that. But you know what John said to Gaius is a wonderful description of where Gaius stood. As far as John was concerned, Gaius's soul prospered. So the man was not a backslider. He was not a, a man lacking in his spiritual standing with God. And so John says, I wish. Now, not many places in the Bible you'll find the word wish. I wish. Uh, growing up, we had statements made in our home. And my dad would say, I wish I was a rich man. And then he himself turned around and he would quote a quotation like this. He says, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. But wishes are not horses, and so beggars don't ride. And we just can't wish. It's not a two-fairy little scenario that we're dealing with. And so when John says, I wish, or I desire, or I hope for the best where you're concerned, guess, he says, I wish that you would prosper. He says, I didn't say I'm praying. He says, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health. Now, when John said that, Gaius was not prospering materialistically, and he was not prospering in health. 
He says, even as your soul prospered. So it meant that Gaius' soul was in a good relationship, but he was not kept in good health. And God does that to his people ever so often to keep us in line. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Whatever that was, a messenger from the devil to buffet him. Uh, Paul himself self said he prayed three times to have this, this, uh, this uh, form of chastening removed from him, but God says no. Uh, it was given for a purpose in Paul's life, not because Paul was a sinner, but it was given to keep Paul humble and to keep his spirit in line. And so God says, my grace will be sufficient to you in this matter. So when we think of blessings, blessings are a little bit different in our day and age than it was back there. Uh, when I think of the apostles and the prophets, uh, the prophets of the Old Testament were not wealthy men. The apostles in the New Testament were not wealthy men. Today's apostles, some of them are millionaires. Does not give me good example to follow. I stick with the Bible examples. I'll stick with the Jeremiah and the Isaiah and the Hosea and some of these men in the Old Testament and the, the apostles of the New Testament as my example. The major, the major example the most predominant example is our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who became poor physically, um, that we might become rich spiritually. And he writes here, John, uh, Matthew writes here, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's something about humility that this world will try to knock out of every child of God. When God judges the world, he targets the proud and the arrogant and the rich and those that are uh, feeling superior to the rest of mankind. And that is what the Lord does. He does judge the arrogant, uh, yeah, the, the proud. Uh, so Jesus said, blessed are the poor, are the humble in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of heaven the kingdom that God would be established here on the earth is not to be occupied by the arrogant or the exalted or the proud or people that would just like to be caught away with society. Well, as we study this and we go through some of this, on Wednesday night I show that the flood coming out of the mouth of the dragon includes fashion. It includes worldliness of all sort. It includes entertainment. It includes many, many aspects of it, and tomorrow, again, I'll touch on some of that. Uh, but tonight, uh, when we think about this flood coming out of the mouth of the dragon, pride uh, is established. Well, what will make you proud? The kind of car you drive? The kind of designer's clothes you put on? See, we live in an age where the devil has provided every single thing that is needed to exalt the spirit of simple people and make them proud. I've seen people coming out of poverty, basic poverty, and they become Christians and they suddenly get exalted and proud and arrogant. And they can't wear an ordinary piece of garment no more. They've got to wear designer's clothes and they've got to look uh, spit and polish, you know, like, listen, I was a poor country boy. I'm still a poor country boy. 
I'm not a wealthy person. The suit I've got on here is over 20 years old. Because it's dark, you can't see the sheen on it. It used to be a regular woolen suit, but then after years of laundry, it becomes a super sheen. I believe in longevity. I believe when God blesses me with something, it should last forever. And if the world out there changes the fashion, it makes no difference with me. There are problems I might have to struggle with in life, but not fashion. I don't care what designer from Hollywood comes up with whatever design. The devil has a lot of people out there creating things to destroy your faith and to exalt your spirit. All right? And so this is important that we grow in the grace of God, that we follow after the spirit of Jesus. And so here, uh, Jesus said, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for that's the kind of people who would enter into the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Oh God, you mean I'm going to mourn for everybody? I grieve with anybody? And you know, uh, we have a prayer meeting every morning from Monday to Friday. And I say that because, you see, you don't understand what's happening. I understand what's happening. When God judges this world, uh, he brings a judgment on the world and he brings a flood to destroy the children of God and the elect will change. Yes, the elect will seek after God in the midst of a pandemic. The non-elect would run. And those that are in church that are non-elect would continue to live like they have always lived. When God brings judgment, he brings judgment with an intention for us to change. And so when we think about prosperity, David said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He's blessed when he does not come under the influence of the ungodly, nor stand it in the way of sinners. Sinners are going this way, so I'm going to go. No, no, no. Don't follow the beast. Nor sit it in the seat of the scornful. When David wrote that, there were arenas. Uh, there were colise coliseums. Uh, there were places where they had... Uh, gladiators fighting and you could be entertained when you go to these places these arenas and these places where you got to sit among the ungodly and enjoy some sport that is why COVID-19 brought everything to a stall he brought the fashion world to a stall he brought the sports world to a star I call him he COVID, sounds like a guy's name. COVID-19 brought politics to a stall. It brought commerce to a stall. It, it shook the entire world and it also brought apostate Christianity to a stall. Now because we are all stalled, it means that somebody needs to make some adjustment and correct things in their life. If you used to be a sinner before this pandemic struck, you need to stop sinning. God wouldn't do it for you. You have to stop sinning. You have to set your affection on things above. And I say this because I'm saying, blessed are they that mourn, 
Because when we have this prayer meeting, you see, when I'm sitting down or kneeling down, I don't kneel much. I sit in a corner and pray. Uh, when I sit in that corner and pray, if I'm alone, I don't have a lot to tell God, a lot to cry about. And I bring every single name in my congregation before God. Every single name that I know of in the congregation before God. That's how I pray. And where is saying you need to visit me? No, 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 I pray for you. I'm not a visiting person. I'm not a phone person and I'm not a visiting person. I am a person that will pray for you and I feel that's the best visit when God can visit you and stir your heart and give you direction. That's what I do. But if you're not elect and you have an attitude, that's your problem. I can't save the non-elect. I can only pray for individuals. And I would pray for individuals to turn around and abuse me. Despise me. Ignore me. But my job is to do that. And when I'm praying, when we have four brothers with me or three brothers with me, sometimes just two of us, and we're praying, I can hear some sniffles from other people. And it tells me I'm not the only one pouring my heart out with tears. I'm hearing some sniffles from other individuals. And I'm saying, I wish this spirit of, of the supplication supplication and dedication can be in everyone. And so when there is a pandemic and when there is a disaster here in Matthew 24, uh, we understand here and Jesus is making some statements and he talks about pestilence, he talks about war, he talks about verse 7, he says, a nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdoms, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. He says, all these are the commencement or the beginning of sorrows. And then he goes on here in verse 12 and he says, because iniquity. Iniquity is religion that's not approved of God. Christianity can be a religious activity not approved of God. And I would not, if I'm reading this scripture and I'm understanding that there is iniquity in the land, I will not exclude myself. The biggest con is a con that cons himself. Amen. And the best way to con ourselves is to find fault, to blame somebody else for what they're doing. Jesus made a statement in Matthew again. He says, do not take the, judge not one another. Don't be busy taking the moat the, the little speck of your, out of your brother's eyes and you got something in your eyes. All right? That's in Matthew again, right? I think in Matthew 7. I'm back here in Matthew 24 and I'll probably be sticking a little bit in Matthew 24 and then move over a little bit. Here in Matthew chapter 7, he says, Judge not that you be not judged. Not that you can judge. It's good to judge righteous judgment. It's good to tell somebody they're doing fine. If all you see are the flaws of individual and that gives you something to criticize, that's not good. Find the good in individuals around you. Bless. Bless. Everybody here tonight say bless. Bless, bless and curse not. It's good to bless. But if I'm trying to find, 
You know, someone told me that while I was doing security. Uh, the individual says there are two kinds of birds, and I've said this so many times in church. He said there are two kinds of birds that are very remarkable. One is called the lark, and one is called the raven. The lark goes up, and when he flies, he soars, and he enjoys the wind under his wings. And he soars, and he, he admires. I don't know, I never talked to a lark, but this is what the individual said. A lark would look at the landscape and enjoy the flying above, and look at the meadows, and the hills, and the valleys, and the rivers, and the and the, 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 the greenery, the forest, and the, the flowers. He would see the, uh, the radiance of the tulips and the daffodils and the zinnias and the roses. He sees the spectacle, spectacular nature that God has created in the world. When a raven goes up, he's now looking for tulips. When a raven goes up, he's not looking for uh, he's not looking for, you know, um, roses and daffodils and hills and valleys. The raven goes up, and I almost said he's like CNN, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, he goes up, and all he's looking for is any dirt on somebody. Is he going to find dirt on anybody? And that's the mentality of the people, the world we are living in. When you check out at a grocery store and you find the magazines on the last bit before you pay uh, the cashier, it's all kinds of gossip sitting there. You know, that's what people's minds like to feed on. I remember when I came to Canada, there was um, uh, in the Toronto Sun, there was an article by an, one of the editors, his name was Clear Hoy, and he made a good article and was talking about how certain churches were giving in to immorality. And so I sat down and he says the church. He didn't say certain churches, he says the church. So I sat down and I had a Gestetner, uh, a kind of a typewriter. I don't know what, it was like an ancient typewriter where you click your finger, it makes a noise. And I typed one letter at a time, one alphabet at a time, wrote him a nice letter. I think I got a copy somewhere still uh, to tell him that the church is not the organization he's calling the church, that the church of Jesus Christ is a powerful entity. I wrote that edit and mailed him the letter. And then he called me. I remember that. It was the early days, early 80s. And he called me, he says, Reverend, he says, if I print your letter, I agree with everything you say in your letter, but if I print that, I I'm not going to sell another copy of the sun. He says, you've got to give people what they like to read. And I said, that is sad, because that's the age we're living in. So when that raven goes up, he doesn't see the landscape, he's looking for dead flesh. You got any gossip in you? You got any sin in you? He's looking for your human flaws. And a child of God must come out from the raven mentality and ask God to cleanse us from that, that when I look at you, I see what God sees. Possibilities, not obstacles. I look at you and see potential, not a failure. You might have fallen a few times. What do you think a baby does? When a baby is born and that little infant starts to make some steps, 
I don't know of any infant in the entire universe that gets up and walks without falling. From the time it's standing, trying to turn, it would fail many a times. And mama is not there to scold. It says, you're a failure. You're a failure. You're a failure. You try to turn, you fail. You try to walk, you fail. You try to creep, you fail. You're a fail. No, no. Mom and dad is there, says, do it again. And they do it until they get it perfect. Well, a child of God must come to the place that we change the way we think and says, try it again. Try it again. We are here to be saviors in society, helping individuals that are lost and depraved in their minds. And that is why the bride of Christ is limited to 144,000 because to become a part of the bride of Christ in your mouth is found no guile. If your mouth has no guile, it means your heart has no guile. Because what's in the heart comes out, in, out of the mouth. And so when we're thinking about this, we're coming to the place of understanding that it is necessary for us to have the proper mentality. So we don't want a raven's mentality. We want the mentality of of a lark. I hear to say that. I would prefer to say dove. The dove is a little chubby. He doesn't fly too high. I like to keep the lark on the height. But you understand what I'm saying? As children of God, when God starts to touch our minds and we start to develop the mentality of Jesus, we stop being critical, uh, destructively critical. We become constructively critical because we want to help people to recover. We're positive in our suggestions and advice and admonition to individuals. You hear during this pandemic season, it is time to examine, not the neighbor, examine ourselves, examine our lives, make changes. It will go when God's people change. Not the world. The world has its thing to do. The devil will always be there until his job is complete. And so Jesus says, judge not. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, he says, judge not corruptedly. Don't judge people corruptedly. That you may not, that you may not be judged the same way. I remember years ago, this used to be my office at the side here. And I found, I went somewhere. I think I went to a thrift store and found a little sign. And I thought it is so cute for the office door. Little sign, I've got it still in a box somewhere. It says, may God grant you double of what you wish for me. May God grant you double of what you wish for me. Now, I put it there and I said, all those who wish bad for me. Tough luck. And then I thought, that's not a nice thing to put on my door. May God forgive you that wish me evil. That's what I should have. And so I took it off and put it in the box. I don't wish double for you, but I wish to judge you right that when God is judging me, he shall have mercy. He shall have judgment without mercy that shows no mercy. Where this lesson is going tonight, only the Lord knows. But here we need to change. 
It says one thing to know what's going on and to know what needs to be done. It's another thing to make the changes to do what needs to be done. And so, this is all necessary. And back here in Matthew chapter 20, uh, 24, it says, And iniquity, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity is abounding, a wrong concept of God. You see, you don't have to be doing a lot of things. The very fact that you have a misconception of God, well, you feel God should not judge you. You don't feel God should put a sickness on your body. You feel God is making mistakes every day. And if you were God, you will do everything differently because he's not so smart. It's iniquity working in your life. And iniquity does work ever so often in God's children's lives. So we leave Matthew chapter 24 and we come back here to Isaiah chapter 1. And you know, we, we all were saying we did that chapter already, as I know, but we're not going through the whole chapter. In Isaiah chapter 1, <clears throat> when Isaiah comes on the scene here, one of the first things he said here to Israel, uh, when the, hear the word, hear ye heavens, uh, uh, it says in verse 2, hear, O heavens, and give air, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. He says to Israel, I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. God is talking to his people. Now, brother is saying, we have not rebelled against God. We are doing our very best. Well, maybe your conclusion and your evaluation of what rebellion is, is different than the way God sees things. See, our thoughts are far from God's thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so different are God's ways and thoughts from our thoughts. As far as the east is from the west, so different are God's thoughts from our thoughts. And maybe what God calls iniquity, you might call good religion. And this is what happened to God's own people, Israel. And I'm not saying this because I'm picking on Israel. I'm saying this because I'm picking on us. When this entire thing is over, I hope to God we don't go back to the routine. There was a time when I made a statement. I said, I'm on Facebook. How could you be so self-righteous to know your pastor's on Facebook? You're not going on Facebook because he's on Facebook. You know, you're more righteous than he is. Knock, I will say knock yourself out. I got to stop saying that. Uh, I've said it so many times on so many tapes I listened to today that I've got to stop saying that. But you know, suit yourself. That's a better one. Suit yourself. If I'm on Facebook, if Brother Goodwin was here and he's on Facebook, I'll be on Facebook finding out what he's doing. I'm not going on Facebook to find out what everybody's cooking or who's marrying who. I'll go on Facebook to find out what he's doing. You'll find when we post things in Facebook, and I appreciate Brother Joe getting up his, his uh, Facebook page set up uh, with uh, the My Gospel uh, things that we can archive the messages one after the other. And you can go and there's a whole library. You can access anyone out of his, uh, his uh, page. And if you, get, uh, you, if you are able to download Spotify, or any one of those apps. I have Spotify and I told Chandri how to do it. And when she goes there, she click on that and all the, the full library comes up. And she can access anyone. 
It's very easy to get that done. And so we have the messages. But what is the messages if you don't live the life? And so tonight, I'm not picking on Israel. I'm picking on us. It is time. When I said Facebook, everybody now, well, I'm not Facebook. Then I started, I like to pray. And over the past two years or three years, when we have our Wednesday night service and I finish preaching, when I finish preaching now, I pray. This is before the pandemic. But our fellowship has given up praying before church, before the service start. Nobody leads in prayer. And when it's done, nobody prays. How many years? I've never heard anyone else do that. But I felt like I needed to do it. And so how many times I've not closed a service off. You go back and check the tapes. And I said, well, I'm going to pray with you before it's, this is over. And I pray. And well, now we are praying because there's pandemic. But when pandemic is gone, would we go back to the routine where we have the orchestra start up? And we all says, when the service is about to start, I said, praise the Lord. And like puppets, everybody said, praise the Lord, without anybody meaning anything they say. We've got a routine. Why do we sing a song so many times? Have we ever checked why? Have we ever checked many of the things that we do and see if God approved it or is it iniquity? So I'm coming from a background where religious, uh, religious mechanics in, in Kali worship, we've seen that happen. If your background goes back, whether it's American Indian or Kali worship, or old voodoo worship or wherever it is, there's always an element that's out there that the devil would like to bring into the church in disguise and get us to do a little pagan customs in our midst without even realizing it. Well, we can have the formality of Christian worship without God being there in it. Is it possible? No, 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 it can't be possible. We are the body of Christ. Well, this is Israel. God's people. We can never be this people. You call yourself a Jew, that's good. Now, you know, suit yourself. See, I'm improving. Uh, you can call yourself whatever. We are from a Gentile background and we don't need to bring our golden calves are our brazen serpents into what we're doing today. Amen. A lot of golden cows might be in our midst and we don't even know it. And that is why when the judgment of God hits the world, we get included. If ever there was a time to examine ourselves, it is now. And so Isaiah says here, he says uh, then in verse uh, 4, I'm skipping some of the errors that we have gone over so many times. He says in four, he, verse 4, he says, Ah, sinful nation. Who is he calling sinful? Israel. Well, what was Israel doing that it was sinful? Well, he's going to tell them later on. There was a lot of things going on. You see, sin has a subtle way of coming in and creeping in. And one person bring it in, and another person gets it there. And one practice gets going, and another one adopts that practice. You see, holiness is never easily inculcated in our midst or adopted in our midst. But rebellion is. One person 
start to go contrary and everybody that's had a fallen nature will go contrary. We need to examine everything we have done. When this is over, we cannot go back to what we used to do. We have got to find out, first of all, if what we used to do is accepted by God. Well, nobody else will do that. You can do it, brother, saying nobody else. Guess what? I'm not following everybody else. Do you ever know me to follow everyone else? I've never done that in all my life. When the Lord brought me into this fellowship in 1975, first time, and I came on in here, I was amazed at the Queen of the South situation because I saw an order and a discipline and things like that those was there. And as long as it was within the guidelines of Scripture, I was oppressed and amazed by it. When it went on to human mechanics, I was not too happy about it. I just was able to think for myself sometimes. And today, I still am the same. And I would not change. I will change when God touches my mind to change. And so when I'm thinking of the future, the Lord says, Our sinful nation, a people laden with what? Iniquity. What is iniquity? Jesus said, Iniquity shall abound. <clears throat> not did abound. It did abound in the past. But Jesus said, In the days coming, it will abound. I think today it is abounding. And I think not only are religious organizations out there affected by iniquity, I feel some, uh, we are affected also by iniquity. We can't take it for granted. We need to examine and make sure that we're not affected by a misconception as to what God wants. Well, five of the brothers decided this is the way we're going to go, so we're going to go. No, I don't work with, with, with uh, the tail wagging the dog. The church is not a democracy. God must raise the preachers that hear from God for themselves. God must be the one directing the work of God. And in order for us to be spared from this, we've got to understand that. And he says, ah, oh, sinful nation, a people living with iniquity, seed of evildoers. Now, if you go further on in verse 5, it says, why should you be stricken anymore? He says, aren't you sick enough? He says, uh, you will revolt more and more because the whole head, the leadership is sick and the whole heart is faint, the very life beat of the organization is sick. He says from the sole of the feet, even unto the hand, there is no sound, <coughs> soundness in it, but wounds. When God looks, he sees in Israel, wounds, bruises, putrefying sores. And you know what? Their people did not see that. You know why? Because it says in verse 11, the Lord says to what? A purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices. What's on my heart before church was started tonight? I went and looked at the way Solomon was collecting offerings to build the temple. I always give my mind something to occupy myself. And the way they brought in and the, the supplies they had. And the way things were done back there. And it was amazing how people were committed. But sin always creeps in. 
And he goes on here, it says, the Lord says, Isaiah said, to what multi uh, purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? I look at this church and we don't offer sacrifice. When you have just a small handful of people and everybody else gallivanting in their own little corner, this you call this a sacrifice? Our religion here in Mississauga is obnoxious in God's sight. But I don't elect, I expect the non-elect to be dedicated. Who are you calling non-elect? I don't know. You'll find out in the future. I'm preaching the word of God. See, if Jesus was here, he would also be rejected. They take him for granted in his days. They forsook him in his days. You think it'll make a difference if he come today? He got to come with a long beard and a crooked cane in his hand and look like Jesus with a heart in the middle of his chest. Hmm? Jesus is here and he's rejected. And that is because we lack spiritual vision. We lack an illumination and a revelation. Not only in this assembly, but in the entire world, there's a lack. The iniquity is abounding. And you look at the multitude of sacrifices. The Lord says, I'm full of burnt offerings. Israel, that had iniquity, did better than we are doing today. Can I hear you? It says, the offerings of ram and fed beast, uh, the fat of fed beast, I delight not in the blood of bullocks. Did they offer bullocks? Can't hear you. Did they offer bullocks? Yes. Did they offer uh, blood uh, of lambs and he goats? Yes, they did. Israel did a tremendous sacrifice back there. God says away with it. Because the offerings are not as important as your soul. And those of you visiting me, I thank God that you came. But if you came just because you want to please me and not please God, you have missed the whole point. You got to be here because you're pleasing God. You got to be here because you think Jesus is in the service tonight. Because he is. And that is important to what else they did. Uh, when you come to appear before me, who had required this at your hand that you tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moon and Sabbaths and the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is when you bring all of this doing, if God is not seeing a change in your life, it is iniquity. Worse, when you come like the people in Malachi, that you bring a lame and give God. And you bring a dead, 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 almost a dead sacrifice unto the Lord. A polluted bread you bring to church. The age we're living in, we don't, it, what Israel did here in Isaiah 1, we can never reach up to that standard. We are more so falling into the category of Malachi. Where we give the lame. God, I got some spare time, so I'm going to come to church at my convenience. Listen. He makes demands that should be met. He's not giving you a choice. 
He's giving you, it's called commandments. That is why Paul says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I told Timothy, he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. See, you don't have a choice. You got to do what God wants. Amen. And so Isaiah went on and he says, all of this mechanics, they spread forth their hand. They're there for every convention, every religious activity. He says, it is iniquity. <clears throat> it would be sad. It's somewhere amidst all that we do. 70 fellowship meetings in the year. Travel around the world. Compass, land, and sea. It's somewhere down the line we are missing an important element. Even if we call ourselves the body of Christ. Then it might be iniquity. And if it's iniquity, God, God abhors iniquity. Jesus loves righteousness and he hates iniquity. It would be sad if we come to church and Jesus hates what we're doing. Amen. Don't you think it is time we examine ourselves? Don't you think it's time that we make a self-analysis and see where we're going? Examining ourselves for iniquity. Understanding what is iniquity. It is doing religious ac activities and religious formalities that God has not approved. If we have our worship service done in a certain way that God has not approved, it's iniquity. If we preach a certain way that God has not approved, we are establishing iniquity. If there's no inward change, and Israel had a major sin existing in it, and that is why the Lord says, Woe unto you rulers of Sodom and people of Gomorrah. <clears throat> we have a different form of spiritual fornication that is plaguing our society. You see, it's not what you say in church, it's what you do when you leave church that God examines. We come in here, nice suit. It is when the suit comes off and I'm in an environment where God is not there, how do I conduct myself and where do I carry myself? I've got five minutes to go, four minutes, a little over four minutes. And, and so we must understand, tonight I'm bringing this to your attention because iniquity will abound and maybe it is abounding in our midst examining ourselves for iniquity. We must pray and seek God. And that's what I'd like to get on to tomorrow. Show the need for God's people to come to the place of making prayers and making changes. Yes, sir. You know, in religion out there, we sang a song. The things I used to do, I do them no more. That was called conversion. Because in those days when the Lord saved you, he saved you from sin. Today, as long as you got a white shirt on and a necktie and you got a granny knot on top of your head, sisters and the brothers clean shave and, and short haircut and the nice white shirt, long sleeve and suit, you're saved. No, 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 you're not. The heart is, if the heart is desperately wicked, that needs to be converted. If we don't show love and mercy to each other, that needs where we need to be saved. May the Lord help us to experience salvation. 
May this judgment, this pestilence in the land motivate us to come. And there's much to talk about, about the ark of God uh, that, uh, that is to be built to keep the flood, the flood out. But the flood comes out of the mouth of the dragon and is pursuing the woman. And some of that sit in church already are already dead, spiritually speaking. And that is why the gospel is preached to the church at Ephesus. And Paul says, awake thou to sleepest and arise from the dead. The work of iniquity is very subtle. It's a mystery. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. It's not easily to be understood and recognized. It is a subtle way of the devil coming in to undermine what God's doing. Sincere people, but iniquity is working in their life. May God help us to come to that place where we would not work iniquity. Amen. May God help us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another night in your house. We ask your blessing on this, service, on this message tonight. That everyone that's of us here and those listening, Father, would make the necessary changes. Help us, O oh God, and free us from iniquity. Because we know our Savior loves righteousness and hates iniquity. Father, you hate iniquity, but it's such a subtle activity that we need your spirit and your ministry to help us to recognize us. Help us, O oh God, to examine ourselves for iniquity. We ask this in Jesus' name. We ask you to bless our service tomorrow. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God.